talk about this really tough um, topic. Uh, we've talked about this in, in terms of like looking beneath this constant striving that we all have going on in our lives. We're constantly striving for something, thinking it's going to meet a deeper need on the inside. And as we learned through this series, that really the, uh, at the bottom of that rat race is guilt and shame. And uh, I'm going to read this quote again. I've kind of put it up every single week. Uh, this is from Brene Brown. Um, she researches shame and guilt and vulnerability and uh, has written books about it and gotten pretty popular about this. And uh, because I think our culture is kind of craving this kind of stuff to kind of figure out what's going on inside of us. And this is what she says. She says that shame is the most powerful master emotion. I thought being hangry is. Okay, shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we're not good enough. See, what's powerful about that is that the idea of fear is thrown in that. Now, when you're thinking of shame and guilt, you don't think fear, right? You think you feel bad about yourself, you feel a little depressed about yourself, whatever. But we typically won't use the word fear. But she brings it all together and says, fear is all in there. And as Christ's followers, my job is to help you to have the gospel and his truth in your life. And what happens is fear creeps in and it changes kind of how we live our life. And it changes, I think, what the relationship is that we have with God. And there's, a, there, there's something in that with the fear that causes us to live a life that God never intended for us, okay? The reason why we're talking tonight about acceptance is because every single one of you this week did something to feel included. Every single one of you. Every one of us this past week did something to feel included. Maybe it was at work and laughing at a joke that everybody else was laughing at. I'm not saying a bad joke. I'm saying we laugh together. Hey, we're all laughing. We're all together. Awesome. You know, hey, it's somebody's birthday. Let me go have a piece of cake too, right? We, we want to be included. Um, there's some, you know, things that aren't that painful that we do, those things. But there are some painful things that we do that we didn't share an opinion because we were fair, uh, uh, fearful. We were scared of somebody rejecting that, what we said, and thereby rejecting us, right? So we do this because we're so fearful of rejection. This is so important as Christ's followers because the power of fear, fear of being rejected and what that feels like is so strong, is so strong that it actually gets in the way of living out the gospel and living in right relationship with him. We're talking about it tonight and this is so important because every one of you will find yourself rejected at some point. The Blazers are feeling pretty rejected the last three games, okay? There, there's all kinds of rejection that happens, right? We're going to feel rejected. It's interesting. You may feel rejected by a parent at some point. You may be, feel rejected by a spouse, somebody that's supposed to never reject you and love you. You may feel rejected by a friend. I mean, this is part of our lives. And if we don't take a look at this and figure out how to kind of recover from this that's going on in our lives, I think it's going to cause some pain in our lives. So let's read this passage together. We're reading through some passages in Romans, and this is all about really this good news that um, Jesus uh, provides for us through giving himself for us so we can be in right, right relationship with the Father, with God. So let's read this in Romans chapter 8. This is Paul writing. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, not the fear of rejection, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. There's that fear word, fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, meaning that's a term of endearment. It's a close word, like saying daddy or dad. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Okay? I'm actually going to keep this up, this one statement, the entire time I share tonight for the next two hours. That's going to be up there, okay? It's going to be up there because I, I want you to grasp this idea because this is the very idea that's on attack tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon and Tuesday and Wednesday and every single day, okay? You know, you are accepted by God and actually that is enough. But typically, there's that disconnect, there's a gap in there where it is actually not enough for us. And so because it's not enough for us, we'll do things outside of that to feel accepted by other people in our life. You are accepted by God, and that's enough. Here's something I want you to discover, and I hope you walk away with tonight. That through the work of Jesus, <clears throat> you are in a family, a spiritual family that is greater than any rejection of a, of a physical family or a people group, or a tribe, or a place of work, or a, so, a societal construct of any kind. Let me say that again. You're in a family, a spiritual family, that is greater than any rejection of a physical family, or social group, or tribe, or social construct, whatever it may be. Okay? Let me kind of give you a quick illustration to grasp what I'm trying to say that I hope you'll remember. When I began to follow Jesus when I was 15, uh, uh, over that next year, my youth pastor began to uh, spend time with me and te teach me the way of Jesus and following him. And he was trying to teach me this principle. We got to this passage about sonship and about um, being with God. And, and he describes it this way. You know, he said, listen, if you go home right now and you are hungry um, and you want to get something to eat from the fridge, do you ask your parents before you open, the, open up the fridge and start eating, you know? And I'm a teenager, so we go to the fridge a lot and eat a lot, right? Do you ever ask mom and dad if you can open the fridge and get some food? And I was like, well, no, of course not. He said, well, why not? Because it's my home, it's my fridge, and it's for me. Why would I ask when I know it's for me? Now, he said, what if you came over to my house and you're hungry? Would you walk into the, fr walk into the kitchen open up that fridge and start eating? Well, no, I'd, I'd ask you, I'd wait, I'd see if, you know, you're gonna do this for me. And he said, the difference is you're accepted in one place and you have that relationship and in the other you don't. Now, we became to the point where I would just do that and I do that in my friend's house, but you get what I'm saying. The idea of this passage is that you are a son, you're a, a daughter, you're a child. You are accepted in this family. Let me say it another way. You are in, not out. But in those moments of rejection, whenever it comes from a family member especially, but from a friend especially, a betrayal hurts, from a coworker, whatever it may be, a boss, whatever it is, you feel out. And naturally the part of our lives, our part of ourselves, we try to do what we can to be in again. And I want to get you to, in this passage, here's the idea. When you're with God, you're accepted. And you can walk right in and get you what you need from the fridge. Here's what you got to discover today. Uh, we, seek our, we spend our lives and spend time in our lives trying to get people to um, accept us, to like us, to gain their approval. Okay? Here's the problem with that. Only God, only God could ever fully accept you. Nobody on this planet can fully accept you. It is impossible. Only God can fully accept you. 
It's impossible for anybody else in this earth to fully accept you. It's because of our brokenness. It's because of their brokenness. Okay? They can't fully accept that. It's got to come from God. It's a divine thing. Yet we live our lives with this unrealistic expectation that somebody should say yes to all of me for me to do whatever it is. Or that somebody should say yes to all of me so that I can be happy and at peace. Instead of considering that only God could do that and to let go of that expectation that somebody needs to do that for me. Did I say that too fast? Everybody's falling asleep already. Like, we have this idea that I'll do what it takes for somebody to like me or to stay in relationship with me. The fear of rejection is so strong that we'll do these things to get for people to accept us without understanding. It's unrealistic, and there's nothing you could ultimately do for somebody to fully like you, accept you, or get their approval. And yet, as people and as relationships, we will, we will manipulate that piece, right, with a fear of withdrawal, you know, We'll use this against people. No one has the complete power to love you like that. Okay? Secondly, when you do things so that people will like you, okay, uh, my defense mechanism is, is sarcasm and a sense of humor. If you've ever hung out with me, you'll probably laugh at some point. That's kind of part of my defense mechanism if you couldn't, didn't know that about me. Because right? I know when people are smiling, I feel like they like me. Okay? So what happens is, we try to do these things, right, to get something from somebody. Now, now I want you to grasp this, okay? If that's the case, you're scared of saying no to somebody because they're going to be upset at you and won't give you approval or give you acceptance or whatever it may be. What that means is what you are doing is getting you something from that person. And so that right there isn't based on the grace of God. So you're sacrificing for what somebody else can give you instead of being okay with what God has already given you, okay? If you only act based on others' acceptance of you, you aren't responding to the grace of God. You're responding to what you can get on your own. And if you live that way, then the grace of God is not the most powerful force in your life, and it is not the best thing in your life, and it is not enough for your life. And what Jesus died for wasn't so that you have the winning lottery numbers, right? What Jesus died for isn't so that you don't have pain or suffering. What Jesus died for is to get you in the family. And that's so powerful, it was enough for him to give his life for. Don't you wish that God, Jesus gave his life for some other things in our lives? That's how we live our lives, by these other things that we want. But ultimately, this is what God offers. And that should be enough. Let me say it a different way. There's nothing you can earn that is greater than what God graciously gives you. There is nothing greater that you can earn through your sense of humor, through your saying yes and people pleasing everybody and always doing everything that everybody wants all the time and never rocking the boat or ruffling some feathers. Everybody likes me. I'm the life of the party, right? All these different things. You, you can't, there's nothing that you can do to get something for yourself that is then, that what is greater than the very grace of God of saying that you're already in, the fridge is already yours. How offended would my parents be if my, parent, my mom made this big meal and I walked into our house and made this big meal and I said, Mom, I'm all right. Let me go order some pizza, right? Like there's a feast here. It's the best food ever, but I want to go get something else. See, that's how we operate in our lives. But there is nothing you can earn that is greater than what God has already graciously given. And he says, the fridge is yours. You're in. 
So all the trying, all the stuff that it gets you, gets the acceptance of this person, okay? Stay with me. Last thing you want, I want you to discover is that it matters most if he accepts you. Typically, we live our lives, okay, this is just human nature, that we make the people closest to us the happiest so that we have the less, we have a less chance of, uh, of, of consequence and rejection to the people closest to us, okay? So what that kind of means like is you don't really upset your kids or your spouse because you're going to have to deal with that. But if you upset, you know, some relative far across the world you never really deal with, eh, you know, it's all right, right? So they're mad at me. I don't have to see you tomorrow morning. We're good, right? So what happens is we take the people closest around us and say, okay, well, I'm going to get these people to like me, right? And we don't understand this idea that it matters most if he accepts us, if he calls us good, if he says that we are in. Okay, I want you to uncover some things. I want you to look a little deeper in your heart. This may be a little difficult, but the passion of our church is to get people to go beneath the surface of their lives. Okay, so here's the question for you, and I want you to look deep. Maybe it's later during worship that you're going to have to get a little deeper and think about this, okay? What are you doing right now that is destructive to you and your relationship with God or others because you want the approval of others? What are you doing right now that is destructive to you and your relationship with God maybe and others because of the, you're striving for the approval of others? Fear motivates us to get from others what isn't as great as what God already gave us. Uh, I I said this quote, I think, a couple weeks ago, but it's pretty powerful. This is kind of what it looks like. It's setting yourself on fire to keep other people warm and not really wanting to do it. It's setting yourself on fire to keep other people warm, to make them happy, to give them what they want. Here's a couple indicators or some situations, things about our heart, that may reveal for you that you've been doing this. Now, the reason why I can share this tonight is because this is something I really, really struggled with, okay? And I didn't know this for the first uh, seven, probably seven, eight years of my following Jesus, okay? First of all is it's really difficult, I mean really difficult for you to say no when other people ask you for something. I don't care what the something is. Hey, do you want to go to the movie with me? Yeah, of course. I don't want to say no to you. Hey, do you want to do this? Can you help me with this? Mm, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Um, hey, can you do this? Hey, can we go do this? Um, hey, here's something that I want you to have. And you just can't say no. You're like, oh, I felt so bad. Let me just say yes. You don't say no to others easily. Okay? And I'm sharing these things again because this is so hard for me. Secondly, this is an indicator. Look deep into your heart tonight. You aren't vulnerable. You don't admit weakness. And sometimes you may not even see it. Okay? The difference between being vulnerable and transparent is important. Uh, being transparent is, is think in terms of like someone being able to see the inside. Okay? Vulnerable is in a situation in which you allow yourself to the potential of being hurt. Okay? It's a little different. They go together, living a transparent life. There's a part of vulnerability there because they're going to you know, see the inside and you could get hurt, right? But it's a little distinction there. If you aren't vulnerable, meaning you don't show weakness on the inside or, or pain that may be going on, okay? Here's another one. This, again, comes up from a lot of my personal experience, okay? I'm not a counselor, but these are some things that I really struggle with in my walk with Jesus. We are silent. You are silent about your 
you said that again. You are silent about your needs. We feel our needs are less than the needs of others because others don't value them as highly. You ever been in a one-way street relationship with a friend? You know, why do I always got to always drive to you? You know, why am I always, you always are picking the restaurant. You know, why am I got to always do it on your terms? Or isn't my time as valuable? Isn't my opinion as valuable? And you get oh, years of that and you start dismissing your own needs as they're not as important. This happens especially as a child, right? The needs of the adults or parents are so much more important, they get neglected. And so what happens is you start feeling that your needs aren't as important as others' needs. And so that becomes your standard by which to evaluate your needs. Oh, it's not that important that I get taken care of. It's not that big a deal. I'll be fine. These kind of things we say. Okay? We are silent about our needs. You would almost feel shame when you share that you have a need or something that needs to be taken care of. Okay? Another thing that we do is that we're blind to our hurts. For um, seven or eight years of my spirituality, I just had no idea really what was the pain going on in my life. I just didn't see it. I didn't see the things that had hurt me or the things that were currently hurting me that were like a cancer in my life, but I could not see it because I wasn't looking deep within. We are blind to the hurts that are going on, but we don't want to talk about these things and things that we need because we're scared somebody else will be upset about it. Somebody else won't give it to us, okay? What would it look like if that was different? What would it look like if the fear of people saying no to me the fear of people rejecting me wasn't this powerful emotion, master emotion in our life, okay? To change that, okay? Some of you may be thinking about some things. Going, oh, man, I even thought about my needs. I just, nobody had cared about that. So I thought it wasn't important. It's important. You know, some people are in, this is why we're doing our marriage seminar, to have some healthy people who are educated, counselors come in and share what even unhealth looks like and what abuse looks like. I talk to people all the time, and they don't even know they're being abused, Verbally or emotionally or physically. Oh, no, it's just how, just how he or she is. It's not a big deal. This is how it is. It's me. I deserve this. You know, this conversation. So as, as a church, we want to be very clear in communicating. There are some things that are unhealthy and abusive, and it's not okay, especially for you as Christ followers, to call yourselves believers and have this stuff go on in your heart and in your relationships. Are you with me? So how would it look like for us to change this? Well, one is, I think you've got to start responding to your needs. I mean, I, I lived my life again of following Jesus for the first seven years of my spirituality, and I didn't care about my needs. It was all about other people. I was the chief servant in the church. Spring break week, I was a high school student, so I came and volunteered at the church. So I said, what needs to be done? I was there for eight hours a day on my, on my spring break. And I don't know if it was like a teaching exercise or whatever, but the pastor was like, can you clean the carpets? Sure. Now my hands and knees cleaning the carpet, and I throw away that pair of jeans because it was so dirty. And I'm like, cool, this is so awesome. You know, <laughs> and this goes on for years. And I just think that serving is the thing, and it's, that's not the thing, you know. Serving comes from a place of health. For me, it was something different. What if, I, what if you begin to value and understand even and respond to your own needs? That looks like self-care, right? How do you care for yourself? Secondly, this is a hard one. Oh, man, this one's so hard. If you really want to take this and try to change this part of your life and obviously bring God's help to this, is you allow opportunities and situations in which you could be rejected. I want you to think about this for a second. It's rare that we intentionally will put ourselves in spots where somebody's going to hurt our feelings. It's rare we put ourselves in situations where we could be rejected and somebody could say no to us, right? 
Um, you remember when you're trying to ask somebody out and you're so scared, you're like sweating and <laughs> just buckets of sweat. Like if you don't ask somebody out or they're going to say no or this or that. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, right? Now, what if like we allowed for that? You never say no to people. Say no. Say no. That's an opportunity for somebody to freak out on you and say, what? No. You allow that space for somebody to be mad at you. That lack of approval from them and not having that in that moment, it's really hard. But it's freeing in a way as well. You allow opportunity for somebody to reject you. That sounds like hateful or like you're hating yourself, but you're actually caring for yourself. You finally do something for you and everybody flips out, right? You do something for you. I said no to this. Man, they may not be my friend anymore. Okay. Maybe this person won't be your friend anymore. Instead of that value being so strong that you'll give up yourself and what your needs and wants are because that person likes you. You hear what I'm saying? This is so hard. Here's an example of what happened for me in this moment of trying to be able to be uh, vulnerable or whatever. I remember the first time that um, I went to a restaurant by myself and ate lunch. I felt like a loser. I totally did. But I just started walking out this road of being vulnerable and things like that. So I went to a restaurant by myself. It was awkward. Talking to the waitress or waiter, whoever it was, it's just like awkward. It's like people looking at me like, did your date not come or what? You know, kind of thing, you know. Okay. So God began to do this thing where I had to like let go and jump off the cliff a little bit here and just see what happened. And what happens is the fear of rejection began to control me less and less and less and less and less. And then you rely on God's approval. Mother Teresa said, you know, that um, you can't say Jesus is all I need until Jesus is all you have. So good. You can't say Jesus is all you need until, until, until Jesus is all you have. Well, you rely on God's approval, meaning, well, this is all I have. And all of us in this room have the approval of somebody, right? You have the approval of somebody. What I'm saying is you can't rely on that person so much, their approval, to where, like, you can't say no to them or you can't even fathom them being upset at you, okay? You rely on God's approval and you give space for that to happen. Here's the result, church. You're going to find Jesus. You're going to find Jesus. You're going to find that his love's enough. You're going to actually rely on his love more than ever. You're actually also going to find some true love from other people. When I took some of these risks with people, you know what I found out? They didn't hate me because I said no. They didn't hate me because I didn't, uh, I didn't just seek their approval. I, it actually gave space for them to love me better and for me to be loved like I'd never been loved before. Okay? I'm going to read this scripture, and then I'm going to invite uh, Kenny up here in a second to pray over us. Because I know this is heavy. But this is the truth right here. You're accepted by God. And that's enough. Your fear of rejection from speaking up even in moments of abuse. Or speaking up from like, no, don't talk to me like that. That hurts my feelings, right? Or speaking up in moments of that work where you just get treated like garbage. And you're like, wait a second. This is not okay, right? They may fire me if I say something. Say something. Let them fire you. Because for you, you're accepted by God. You don't need to be accepted by these people. Do you hear me today? This will walk, walk and live out in your life. And I'm telling you, this is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all over the week issue that we deal with. Will you rely on God's approval? Okay. Psalm 2710, one of my favorite uh, verses in scripture. This is David writing this. 
He says, though my, father, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I love it. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Forsake means to leave me. That's what rejection is. If you, if you get people upset, they won't care for you. They won't tend to you. They won't be there for you when you need them. They'll withdraw. They'll, and, and we're going to learn in this marriage seminar that one of the things that we do is we stonewall. When somebody's upset at us, we just go into the stonewall mode. And so that we use that against other people to get them to do what we want. Though my father and mother leave me and forsake me, the Lord will receive me. That means he's going to gather me up. And so while we live our lives and spend so much time and energy and money maybe even on getting others to gather us up, right? And that becomes kind of our focus in life for others to gather us up. God's waiting to gather you up. God's waiting for you to have a life in which his gathering you up is enough. And not that other person in your life or workplace or society even. Society absolutely does this to you and me. You're accepted by the kind of car you drive or how green your grass is. And my neighbor actually got a new grass, like, you know, new sod and grass. And it was just like greener than mine. I'm like, really? Now i got to get some green grass. Listen, this is in our lives. And though you may be actually rejected by a family member or a coworker, or a friend or a spouse or a child. That's going to be painful one day. Or a child. Though my father and mother leave me and leave me alone, the Lord will gather me up. And I want to tell you, church, that in these moments of crazy fear, when you jump off the cliff and stop making, uh, approving, uh, getting other people to approve you because of what you feel on the inside, that you feel like maybe I'm not enough and I've got to do all these things, that listen, you're enough for God. And he will gather you up. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite Pastor Kenny to pray for you, us. This is life change stuff. Um, and those things that are going on in your lives that are painful, that you are sacrificing yourself and your own health um, for this, I want to tell you, when you take that risk to let uh, that opportunity for even a rejection to be possible, God's going to gather you up. When somebody lets go of you for not making them happy, God's going to gather you up. Because though your father and mother forsake you, leave you, the Lord will receive you.